Welcome to No Life Fresno. Come with us and meet your neighbors as we dive into the world of Fresno art, music, food, culture, and everything in between. It'll all figure itself out. Yeah, well, I'll do what I want to. <laughs> Never a dull moment, huh, bud? Well, hey everyone, this is Christian Honnitschlager <laughs> with No Life Fresno, sitting on the porch of Goldstein's Mortuary and Delicatessen, talking to a good friend, uh, a fellow writer in the blog, and uh, a musician himself, Jonathan Lo-Fi. Howdy. Howdy. That was a good introduction. Yeah, you got a little, little, little dog, bark and howl. The there we barking. go. Yeah. It's better than cat calling, I guess. <laughs> So, Jonathan, what is your relationship with Fresno? How long have you been here? Uh, I've been in Fresno tentatively most of my life for about 34 years with some brief moments of skipping town. Um, I spent like a couple months in New York and in the summer in uh, Crescent City. Then, I, yeah, I've, I've been living here in Fresno most of my life. I live in, I've been living in Tower, uh, downtown area, 13 years, wow. maybe 14 years. Um, my relationship with Fresno is very bittersweet. Um, How's that? Like, you know, I grew up in a very fundamentalist environment, per se, kind of being afraid of things and very exclusive, uh, couldn't really have honest conversations. And that was, that was my life for a long time. And, and then sort of just probably in my early 20s, uh, I moved to Tower, and I, I remember just being in Tower. Actually, I was going to shows before that, before I moved to Tower. But I, I just remember being in Tower in downtown, and going, "I like this part of Fresno. I like this. What's going on here? This relationship with Fresno is open and honest. And yes, there's conflict, but yet it's like freeing." Yeah. Um, so. Okay. So when 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 were you? When was that transition like into the Tower? How I was, old were you? I was. I was going to shows when I was 15 in Tower, but I moved to Tower when I was 21. Okay, gotcha. So, quite a long relationship. When you say, like, a, you, you going back, you fundamentalist environment, like, you weren't allowed to it was just, form an opinion. And just, it was like, I was raised very, uh, I was raised uh, four-square denomination. Um, okay. And just, it was very a, a very judgmental atmosphere. And I'm not saying those people are awful or evil. It's just it's not for me. And I don't I don't. That's not something I want to. It's it's it's, got, it's actually you know it's very traumatizing actually. It's like that that whole part of that life is just yeah. I think about it and, and I'm going like 
I think that propelled me more in the music too. As, as I realized I was getting older, the, a lot of the writing, a lot of that was like me kind of getting that, asking questions or wrestling with those questions and those feelings. Um, so, so we have 15, you're going to shows on the tower. 21, you moved to the tower. When did you start playing music? I started music. I started playing music when I was 12. Um, I was skateboarding at the time, and. I was, take, I, I was playing music when I was 12. I actually learned uh, the guitar from the church, actually. I, you know, I learned worship songs. That's literally how <laughs> yeah. I learned. And I you know, went home, and there was the tablature there, and I learned those songs. And probably about, I think I... Um, from there, I just sort of writing, started writing my own stuff, because I got bored with of that stuff very quickly. Yeah. And then I remember about... 15, 16, um, I tried out for the high school worship team and I got cut. And so I got really like, I felt really rejected and defeated. And so I just went home and practiced the shit out of my guitar. And, and I guess that was that. So, okay, so you, you learned guitar in the church, you were playing worship music and all of that. What was your, what was your first moment of I want to be like this artist or what was the, your first like what captured you outside of that worship music that was oh, like oh my god I think the first time I saw uh, you know it's interesting I was telling about that venue that used to be there when we were driving down Ashland the bridge that yeah. was my first show when I was my sister took me when I was 12 um, and the Sleepover Disaster was playing but I didn't see them and there was a band called Starfire 59 and I didn't see them it was too loud but then later when I was 15, I saw The Sleep of Disaster. And I was just like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Like, music is awesome. Who was in that? Uh, Luke Giffen. At the time, it would be Luke Giffen, Vince Cassaro, yeah. Luke Giffen, Eric Peters, and Tyrone. Um, I forget his last name. But the current lineup now is Vince Cassaro, Luke Giffen, and Bobby Griffiths. Oh, Bobby, that's right. Yeah. yeah I saw them at... Uh was it Tower Records right before the pandemic something like that they played yeah they played like their reunion show or whatever was uh, yeah. their first show back yeah yeah. that was so good man that was fucking yeah I love those dudes hell yeah um, so Sleepover Disaster that's a local band right so, yeah so, so there's there's more people that you'll probably talk to in the future yeah. that in, inspired you but like okay every I, I have to imagine I'm not a musician I can't play fucking instrument to save my life but I have to imagine there was the, the the star level influence as well right like there's some big name bands oh yeah or some some yeah, rock stars sure. I, like I, I who, think who was who, who got you I think it was when I was 17 18 uh, I was really listening to like the cure Joy Division, Bill Underground, um, Elliot Smith. Yeah. As were most yeah, 17 and, and 18 year olds in I, our generation. And you like, oh, you, and I wonder, like, am I depressed or. <laughs> or is it the music? Or is it the music? And, you know, the, the question that John Cusick asked in High Fidelity is, you know. Um, but I just remember, like, it was like just seeing that energy. I'm like, I remember blasting that stuff in my car. And it was like, yeah, this is like. I like that because it's honest and it's there 
and it's not, I don't know, it's not contrived. Yeah. So, it's, I, maybe other people don't know, but I know a lot of, uh, of your, your writing and those things, and I can definitely see a little bit of that influence in, in the writing itself, maybe not so much in the music, sure. but in the writing itself, for sure. Um, so, I mean, you, you're talking about local bands and, and seeing them and being inspired by them, but you're, you yourself have been a member of a number of, of local bands. I have. Like um, Dirty Limbs most recently yeah. before your current project, right? Yeah. What else? And what is, what is Dirty Limbs? I mean, I know what Dirty Limbs is. Dirty, uh, Dirty Limbs, uh, for people listening, um, Dirty Limbs is a punk project that I started back in 2013. Yeah. And that consists of currently right now Luke Giffen, Audrey Johnson, and Noah Aldrete, and okay. myself, uh, Jonathan Trash, I know that name. Yeah. Um, and so we're right, right now we're just on a hiatus because everyone's busy yeah, doing man. their thing. I mean, uh, Audrey Johnson is like a professional drummer and she's toured, touring, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, your last show with Dirty Limbs was pretty shortly before the pandemic, right? Yeah, like it was actually... February or...? Yeah, it was at, at uh, Full Circle. Mm-hmm. And that was about a month before the shutdown. The Full Circle downtown or uh, the, downtown. The, the temporary one in town? Uh, no, it was downtown. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, uh, what, what, I mean, what were you doing What were you doing before Dirty Limbs then? Like, so how before, did you get there? Because that's 2015. Okay. We got a big gap. So there's a big gap in your unemployment history. So we're... <laughs> Um, so let's, the first time I ever played a live show when I was 15 in a garage, and right after that, I formed a band called A Tear in the Fabric, and that was like pretty much like me, that was my take on like mixing like shoegaze with like indie, like Death Cat for Cutie, Page of the Lion kind of stuff, and then... Then that kind of merged into another band that my buddy and I started uh, called Win a Wardrobe, which was kind of like a mathy, kind of dreamy, ambient. Um, for people may not know, it kind of sounded like a bands like kind of like Explosions in the Sky, yeah, um, okay, Godspeed, but like less, but less intense. It was like taking that kind of flavor, yeah, um, but it was more kind of like the indie vibe, or it was like or like American football. Um, Got it. Okay, so maybe not as dark as some of the, yeah. the Godspeed stuff, or very ominous and, and moody. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was that was a thing. Uh, that was a, did that for a while, and then was in a band called Aspen Hollow, and that was kind of like a folky, kind of acoustic, um, poppy kind of. You know, I think it was going in the vein, kind of like Wilco. Got it. Um, and Coldplay um, I think that yeah that's kind of what it reminded me of um, then after that I started my solo stuff under the name Jonah and the Whale um, where did that name come from? that came from the Bible the book of Jonah which I, I was inspired by that story because it's the story of you know Jonah is supposed to go prophesy to a town called Nineveh and he doesn't want to so like he gets on a ship to go the opposite direction and then like God's going no you're not and so he, he the seas are getting really turbulent and then 
these sailors are like, oh my gosh, what the fuck's happening? And he's like, well, I know what's going on. God wants me to go to Nineveh. And they're like, well, like, we're throwing you overboard. So they throw him overboard. A whale swallows him up. And he spins inside the whale's stomach for three days, which is, you know, probably metaphorically speaking, like the analogy of Jesus being in the tomb for, you know, sure, that whole yeah, stuff. Okay. He gets spit up on the island and he goes in and has to prophesy to these people and then they don't listen. And then maybe they do, but God doesn't swipe, you know, smite them and he's mad at God. And then the whole story, what I love about it, though, is he was honest enough to like yell back at God and go, I don't want to do that shit. Yeah. Um, oh. So that's what that, you know, that's where the name came from. And the is honesty. It, and is that, I mean, probably a little obvious, but that's, you're touching on. Your yes. exit from the church and it was name, actually right? beginning yeah. then at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, I knew like I was ex exiting that emotionally at like 15, so it was kind of like taking manifesting at about 18, 19. Yeah, and I was and actually dealing with like real like hard questions about who I am and what I'm supposed to do in this world. And, and so it's it's so I don't know it's so eloquent to to transition in that way and and take the language that the church gave you to position yourself as an independent musician outside of that environment. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Um, so that was starting. And and then I got an opportunity to be in a very like prominent local band called Rodemacher. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and they've had, you know, huge success. Um, touring and stuff and so I was playing guitar in that band for three years possibly four um, I could be wrong on that but I, it's actually interesting that ten years ago to this month I was playing South by Southwest with Ronemacher oh badass and man. yeah um, so then, you know, then that after that show, that was I think that was it. We sort of just went our separate ways. So then, I started my solo thing again called Porch Yellers. <laughs> um, you start re realizing more themes now um, about yeah. me and porches and uh, <laughs> and so that you know I got that name from being in New York and I was going to a neighborhood and there was some person just drinking, yelling, like just screaming at me and I was like, what do you want dude, like stop. And then I was like, oh, I'm in New York, I should, I just, I should just mind my own business. <laughs> Next day I'm up on the rooftop and the dude's still there drinking and yelling. I'm like, oh, he's a porch yeller. And so then I, that's where I got that name from. So I was doing that for a while. Um, and then I, moved up north to sort of just get some mental clarity about what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. I was in a funk. So spending time in like the Redwood National Forest and being on the deck of that cabin or the porch mine, you know, yeah. as they say, uh, I was writing what was soon to be Dirty Limbs. Nice. And so then when I came back, this was like probably the 2013 that's when I think around that time I, I, I started doing limbs and then leading up to now you know the pandemic 
halted all that, and then the birth of Jonathan Lofi happened. Um, and that's uh, that's an excellent transition, right? So what is, what what is it that you're doing now? Like musically or all together? I mean, you're sitting at a fucking bar with me, yes, but uh, <laughs> like musically, what what where are you at? Today, with the, all of those things in the past, what is what is Jonathan Lofar? What are you doing? So currently, I just released a uh, a six-song demo that was recorded on a four-track, um, and it's titled "Notes of Love and Truth: Wise and Goodbyes." Um, basically, exactly. I mean, it's that's what, what that's what the demo is about. Is literally that it just yeah. lots of uh, pain and. Hurt, conflict, uh, losing a war, um, and it's a lot of just the stuff that I've been reflecting on over the years because I had had time to sit for two years and yeah. without you know playing in a live band, so I really had to sit there and go, I need to do something, and and it just sort of happened. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Um, How, okay, so. So tell tell everyone what what is what is the style like? I mean, the the bands you've mentioned and uh, the ones that I know of at least and whatnot. It's I mean, it's a little all over the place, right? Sure. Yeah. So like, Rodemacher, you know, just to sort of go back for a second. Like Rodemacher is more of kind of like a Talking Heads kind of pavement with like some Belt Underground and it had that really good. Just it was just really good. Uh, writing and then Dirty Limbs is you know garage rock but then kind of garage punk like 77 era you know um, and so this John Lo-Fi is uh, actually Lo-Fi it's it's kind of in the style of like folk outlaw folk like old country where it's like I don't know inspired by like Woody Guthrie Towns Van Zandt uh, Blaze Foley you know um, so it's it's got, it's got that feel to it. Gotcha, gotcha. And what like is that something you've always wanted to do? Is that something that yeah. just came about? Yeah. It's so that's like going back to when I was doing Joe and the Whale. I really enjoyed that process of writing by myself and kind of having that control, but also seeing where that goes and letting other people kind of like collaborate in some regards. So. And that was a lot. That was a lot of fun, but it's also very scary and, and can be painful, because there's a lot I put into like that kind of songs. Um, so then when I was, you know, doing uh, Rodemacher and Dirty Limbs, you know, oftentimes people are like, "When are you gonna do your folk stuff again? Like, when are you gonna do your folk stuff again?" And that I was like, I don't know when the timing is right, when it feels organic and honest, when it needs to happen. And I didn't force it. And as soon as it happened, I just knew it was right. And I, it's, I don't, I think every day I actually have like, I, I shed a tear of happiness because it's yeah. like I know it feels natural and this is what's happening. Yeah. And so I'm really, really excited to be in this. Like I'm excited and scared and honored at all at the same time. It's like I don't know like how to describe it. It's, yeah. It's yeah, just it's a, a very a mix of emotions yeah yeah well it's interesting too is what you said there is like when the timing is right you know all the entrepreneurs I know all of the business owners musicians artists and those things who have taken that step to go further in their pursuit or to to change 
what that idea of is uh, of success is for them, right? We're not talking about monetary success. We're talking about personal, yeah, like inner success where you can be proud. Yeah, you know, the 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 right timing is what almost everyone talks about, and and I think it's important just to stop and note on that for a minute because if I know as a creative as well, if, if something feels forced or it feels like an obligation, then it, it needs to stop. Absolutely. But I only learned that by pushing too hard on things that weren't right in that moment or hadn't been fully realized. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, like I also feel pretty privileged, right? I'm not relying on playing music as a sole income. Like, so that, I mean, other people, I understand that's, it's like, you're, you're like, this is how you're surviving. Yeah. And so, um, I'm able to like, sort of not look at success in that monetary way, which I'm not against that. And I have, wouldn't have no problem paying bills with doing this. Um, sure. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, like I did, at the end of the day, it's like when I stopped controlling everything and sort of like let it happen in a sense, like not worry about it so much, just then things just start happening. I mean, a little more personal for, for an interview, but I remember basically the week that it happened and you made that decision and, yeah. and we were having a beard, I think, I think in your backyard last summer sometime and like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm doing it. It's right. Yeah, no, it's, and, it, and it, it, I just started documenting all my things on Instagram and, and on my Facebook because I was trying to help myself because I forget stuff sometimes. I'll create a melody and like just jot it down so I don't forget because that's oftentimes I'll forget. There'll yeah. be like a melody that pops in my mind and I go, oh, that's a great melody. And then, and then I need to record it now because I'll forget it so I can come home and then like. Yeah, it's like when you get up from the couch to go get something in the other room, and as soon as you pass the threshold, it's gone. You don't even know why you're standing there. Right. Anymore. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you know, I started just putting things on Instagram, this for myself, but also, you know, maybe someone else could be helped and inspired by like saying this, like, hey, it doesn't have to be like, you don't always have to show, because, like, you know, I see people's dogs and foods and relationships, yeah. which is awesome. That's fine. But I always feel like, well, I don't, that's not, me so I'm gonna share my music yeah and and maybe someone will be inspired or get something out of it and help them and, 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 so it, and, and how do you how do you compare the vulnerability of playing a live show versus doing something like sitting in front of a camera in your living room putting something out on the internet for however many people to see that they've never heard before I, so it's interesting. It's it's a lot more comfortable doing that because I can just like record when I'm ready. Yeah. Than like playing live. Yeah. And because you know I'm still nervous before every every fucking show. I still I get I get the pre-show shits. I get the <laughs> mid-show shits. I get the post-show shits. It's just a shit show yeah. <laughs> in my mind and in my body, like literally speaking. But like I, yeah. I'm on stage and I'm like, all right, I gotta, I, I'm just, gotta just this is what I'm doing. Yeah, and and it's, it's a trip. Yeah, so it's, it's a full commit. You know, I'm I'm used to speaking in front of uh, crowds and audiences and it, it, over the course of my my previous career, and it's like I never 
never really had any qualms about it because I was an expert on whatever I was talking about. But to get up, if I could play music even, to get up and play music, I mean, I would have the pre-show, the during show, the after show, the next morning, like, I would be peeing a little every time. I it's, it's a, de yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a mind game with yeah. yourself. It's like the anticipation and your expectation in your head and you're visualizing how many people will be there and what does it sound like? What are you going to say? What are you... And it's funny, each show I do this every single fucking time. <laughs> and when I get there, it's the exact opposite yep. of what I expected, but always incredible. It's awesome, man. And I think what I'm beginning to learn is to not have expectations of a... Uh, not to have unrealistic expectations. To let things happen in the moment and naturally, yeah. And then, then I feel like those connections are authentic. Like it doesn't matter if there's one person in the crowd, no one in the crowd, or like 500 in the crowd. Yeah. At the end of the day, for me speaking, I play like to my heart because I need to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And also, like maybe someone will get it out, something out of it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's wonderful, man. And not everyone like does that approach, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just this is my that's my approach. Yeah, you're a beautiful snowflake. Um, so what? Okay, you've, a lot of bands, you know, what? Uh, twenty years of, twenty more than twenty years of playing music, but twenty years of playing music you wanted to play. Um, what? What's something that? Oh, stands but look at the comrades and circles and circles. Holy shit! I forgot those <laughs> bands too. Jesus, sorry. Uh, even more. Even yeah. More bands, but okay. So all of, all of those things aside, because we're moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Naturally. <laughs> all, all those things aside, like what what stands out to you of all of those that you're you're most proud of, or were mo most prevalent in a transition in your your skills, your ability, your mindset, your passion, your uh, ambition as a musician. Out of all those projects. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Yes. They each brought a... Every, every one had a different element. I would say, like, a turn of fabric taught me how to actually move forward when you're scared. Um, Winter Wardrobe taught me about working with others and sharing collaboration sometimes and communicating. Um, Aspen Hollow taught me to be delicate with playing and let other instruments breathe um, circles and circles taught me like good friendship and just like just felt like a friendship we're all just in a you know and that yeah. was really fun um, uh, brother little comrades actually kind of similar to the friendship thing because Luke Freeman is in both those bands but then like the dynamic of like playing and let other instruments breathe and not be so powerful. Rodemacher taught me like how to like pace myself mm -hmm. like on outside the stage uh, and to really actually let my guitar work shine and not be afraid of that. Yeah. Um, Three Limbs taught me like communication better like to have communication and make sure everyone's comfortable. I didn't yeah. understand that concept until then. Um, so every relationship was is all important to me. Oh, it's a beautiful thing, man. 
so being in Fresno for so long and having some varying outings around the country, um, what do you like about Fresno? What I love about Fresno is the cultural diversity. Um, there's something very magical. Um, and it's very rich in that. And, and there's a lot of like history. Um, and you can learn from those communities and gain a lot of knowledge and hopefully become a better person and a better like world person because of it. Um, and also this, the relationships in, in Fresno is there's not this, um, I've always said this before, it's like people in Fresno don't care about what you do, they care about who you are. And I think that's very, been truthful to me. Yeah, I think that's accurate. So, that's certainly been what's kept being in Fresno, like the the gym, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I love about Fresno. I mean, for music, there's a lot of a lot of great bands that have come out of here and in the Central Valley in general. But in Fresno, there's still such a a large community of musicians that yeah. have, have left and come back, or have never left but made it. You know, made it in the, yeah. in the terms of music, right? Um, and I, I always find that really, really interesting and inspiring. Uh, not, not as a musician myself, but as someone sure. who generally loves what people do and yeah. whatever they're doing and that they're passionate about. You know, it's it's so cool to meet everyone in that in that regard. Uh, it's a common theme too. What you know, what you're saying about Fresno and the culture. Um, <clears throat> what don't you like? The the bad air, <laughs> yeah, and Fucking the horrible. constant, ever present, like colonialist idea, the racism, and all the stuff that comes with colonialism, yeah, and it's that's very frustrating. Um, yeah, sure, there's some progress in some type of way, but it just seems like it's still just very stuck. I mean, as opposed to, actually, all the country stuff, but, you know, I speaking to Fresno specifically, um, yeah, I, I, I don't like the fact that we have a mayor who's an absolute racist. Yeah. Uh, who's a pedophile. Um, who's a kingpin. And, and who's basically the chief of police and the mayor at the same time. It's kind of, I mean, I don't like those institutions anyway. Um, yeah, but to go from... Hey, but it's, it, so that, that, that element is what I do not like about Fresno. Um, and, yeah, because I think that entails everything, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, the... Also, I, 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 but when it comes to the music, the way I don't like about Fresno um, is sometimes there's this clickiness where it's like this is an invisible spot where there's only one man can be in that spot, and that's and then no one can. It's like almost like a competition, and it's and it's like subconscious, and so instead of people like working together and uplifting one another, they're like fighting to survive. 
because they're like following this invisible fictitious carrot yeah that if you get here then this will mean this and it's like that doesn't mean anything yeah um so i would say that as well gotcha um you think that has anything to do with like obviously there's a lot of places to play music here but there's there's also not a lot of places to play music here right there there really isn't the small clubs and venues there isn't right. the, the intimate landscape of, of, of music here that you, you see in some larger cities well, and you know? actually there is there's there's a lot of DOI spaces but a lot of those places shut down uh, due to fire code one was like being basically extorted for some like as, you know ASCAP thing it's usually like weird horseshit reasons because in those spaces there's a lot of conversations that happen that don't really happen in like established venues yeah. um, so it's and oftentimes not all the time but venues sometimes take advantage of musicians and don't pay their wage and expect them to like just when they have the money to pay so yeah so like i mean it's one thing you're playing a diy space that's based on community and donations that's really okay that's understandable like yeah but when you're playing in an establishment and they're kind of like you know not paying your worth uh that's very frustrating yeah i can imagine so for the 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 current and future pursuance of music in, in Fresno, with your experience and your knowledge, like what do you what do you have to say to people that are are pursuing music, whether it's for a paycheck or for a passion or, or both? What do you what has your experience taught you that it's going to be useful for the next generation or the next guy or gal? Um. I think for anyone, it's learning to know your worth and, 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 and create and have that constitution to create and love yourself and love other people and don't gatekeep. Um, you know, help each other out. Yeah. If you have a question, ask someone. If someone's asking you a question and you don't know, like, maybe you both figure it out together. Um, making people feel safe. Um, it would be my advice as well. Yeah. Um, and, and also don't be afraid to, like, call out injustice and, and something is weird. Because a lot of times I grew up in a way where it's like there's things that were uncomfortable and you don't know what's going on. So you just kind of follow the line because you're like, don't want to... Yeah, and, and and a lot of people can get hurt and, and, and burnt out. And it turns a what's supposed to be a, a community experience, bringing everyone together to celebrate life, turns into like some abusive situation. Yeah. So that's that's would be my advice: like love your neighbor, love yourself. And I think you know, wake up every day and be easy on yourself and. You're worth it. It's beautiful, man. So, kind of close it out here. We're on the the brink of a sweltering Fresno summer, uh, where it hurts to go outside, but that doesn't mean there's nothing to do. What are you looking forward to in the coming months 
uh, for yourself, for the city, anything that's on your mind going into summer here. It's end of spring, the very short spring, but uh, into summer. Got Fres Yes, which is this weekend. Yeah. Um, there's a Fresno Music Industry Meetup, which is right before Fres Yes. Um, there's Tower Porch Fest. Um, I'll be playing that. Uh, there's, uh, I know there's like the Greek festival, mm -hmm. uh, there's Blessing of the Grapes, um, uh, walking around when the sun goes down. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's like when the magic happens, you know? Yeah. Because um, everyone's like, wait, it's on 107 right now? It's like, 103? Yeah. The sun's down? All right. Yeah, right. It's 9.30. It's time to go out. Because there's, a, there's always something to do, especially in down, you know downtown or tower every night. Um, so, yeah. It's, I'm looking forward to that. Nice, man. Excellent. Well, thank you for Absolutely. taking a little bit of time. My honor and pleasure. Let me buy you a beer and hanging out as this uh, patio fills up. Um, looking forward to hearing more from your new project, Jonathan Lofi, oh, yeah. and uh, looking forward to seeing you at Tower Porch Fest, man. I, I really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. This has been a No Life Fresno production, a branding department brand. To learn more about branding department, visit brandingdepartment.com and check out our full blog of No Life Fresno content, including these recordings at nolifefresno.com. Music by Jonathan Lofi.